a poem for Proverbs. Okay, so I gotta deep dive this thing and really understand my role. I go where you lead and go beyond what I know. Are you sure? Because I plan. I tend to execute. I follow through. And you say your wisdom does not lead to execution, but birth. Whew. So this difference between starting a thing and making it new is decided between what I do on my own and what I give to you. It's the mouse and the wheel versus the bird in the sky. And the path we take depends on whose sight we rely. Okay. Okay. Be diligent. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so great to see you here. Thank you for being here. And if you're a guest, a special welcome. And I'm, I've been so excited about this particular weekend because we finally did my theme song. Did you enjoy it? It's like uh, this, this morning I felt like calling in and saying, I don't want to do anything. But I'm here, you're here, so congratulations. Together we did something important, and uh, I just, that right there is such a relevant view. The song's a little bit older, but, but during the pandemic, we learned to go to work in pajamas and bathrobes, and we've learned how to turn the video on and how to turn the video off. And uh, I'd be curious, how many of you have ever been on a Zoom meeting, you don't have to say it was you, but where someone was dressed like that and not quite ready for the Zoom. Were you on those? Yeah? Yeah, me too. But it gets to the relevant point of life. As human beings, come on, we're not always fired up and motivated and compelled to be at the top of our game. I mean, there are just times like today I just don't feel like doing anything. And I have it on good word, and remember I'm a pastor, so I have some official connections, right? So. I have it on good word. God gave us coffee for days like that. That's, it's all about coffee. So, <laughs> woo -hoo, thank you, Starbucks. Today, I don't feel like doing anything. You already saw it on the video bumper. What we're doing in this proverbial new, series, new year series is we're extracting God's wisdom from the book of Proverbs so that we can kind of build the right foundation for this year that we're in. And this weekend, we're turning our conversation not to an easy topic, not to a simple topic, but to the topic that's vital for us, diligence. And rather than me spinning an introduction, we've already had it. I think you can't get much better than the ukulele and a robe in that song. So let me just start with the truth, okay? Here's the truth. True success and accomplishment require diligence. True success and accomplishment, achievement of anything meaningful or significant, require diligence. Now, I'm not making this up. It's right out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 13:4. The sluggard, the one with no diligence, the sluggard craves and gets nothing. But the desires, the cravings, so both sides crave, the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. So you've got two sides of the equation. Both sides are human, but one craves and longs and desires and gets nothing because they're not diligent. They're playing the ukulele. But the desires, the cravings, the longings of the diligent are fully satisfied. So true achievement, true success, true accomplishment requires diligence. But if you're like me, what you do is you pigeonhole this truth in a way that your lens fits it. Now, this is really important for you to know that it's a, a wider spectrum than we naturally go to. For example, if you're like me, many of you are, some of you aren't, of course, you, you're immediately thinking in the terms of the financial or vocational realm. Diligence, you know, got to be diligent. 
And that's included. But this truth is relevant in every area of life. Every area. There is not an area of my life or your life where this truth isn't an essential issue involved in what we are and aren't experiencing in life. Now, I think I should define diligence just so we're on the same page. Most of you get the sense of it and the idea of it, but some of you went to Michigan State, so I should probably define it. It's a joke. It's just a joke. We, we've actually had people leave the church because I've joked about the Spartans. Seriously, come on. I mean, I love the Spartans as long as they're not playing go blue. That's just kind of my deal. And by the way, it's better to be a Spartan than a Buckeye. I mean, think about that. So you got to put everything in perspective. Uh, and I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Obviously, the talk is really short, so I'm wasting time. No, that's not true. But uh, diligence defined. Constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. Now, this isn't a Brad summary. It's not my own synthesis. This is right out of the dictionary. Constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken. And you need to see the parallel sides of this. Because a lot of people say, I'm really diligent. I mean, I, I'm constant. I go to work. I punch the clock at 9. I, I stay at work, I punch the clock at five, and then I go home, man, I'm diligent, I'm constant. But we all know that you can punch the clock constantly and consistently, but not be diligent between nine and five, right? And this, this definition takes it further. It's not just constancy, that's important, showing up's great, but it's also earnest or zealous, passionate effort to accomplish what's undertaken. So constancy with earnestness is diligence. Now, I don't know about you, but I lay that over my life, and there are some areas, yeah. And there are a lot of areas, no. Can you agree with me on this? This is important. And I need to say it right up front. Not everything we're going to teach on this platform is like the thing you came here longing to hear. You know, it's not always going to be sexy, it's not always going to be glamorous, it's not always going to be this thing, it's not going to be feel good always, but God's truth is always essential, and it's most essential when it's something we're missing, and this is one of those areas, diligence. The, de the definition goes a little bit further, constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is under undertaken, persistent exertion of body, mind, and I'll add emotions and soul and spirit, persistent exertion. True success and accomplishment requires persistent exertion. Well, no wonder so much is falling apart, right? No wonder we're missing so much. I don't automatically think of myself as a sluggard. I mean, go, go, go back to that, the sluggard. How many of you said, me? You didn't. You said, and then you tried to fit this in a way where, no, look at how diligent I am in this area of my life, so that's not me. Of course, there are multitude areas where I am. I don't see myself as the sluggard, but in some areas, I'm not diligent, and I'm craving something that I'm not getting because that demands diligence, and I want you to look at the wholeness of your life. This is one of those talks where you're going to want to think about other people. <laughs> you know, it's like, look down the row, you know, think about who's not here. But I'm going to ask you to do what I've tried to do with this and run it through your own filter. Do some self-application. You need to know, in any area where there's something that's hard, and let's be honest, diligence is hard, persistent exertion is hard, constant and earnest, undertakings are hard, in any difficult undertaking where we're going to fail, maybe more often than not, we have to come up with alternatives. The sluggard who craves but then gets nothing has to then explain why they crave but they have nothing and they still stay lazy. So they have to explain it, right? And so I, I want to show you from God's Word some popular alternatives that I have found in me 
to diligence. These are things I insert to rationalize, to make up for, to explain away why I'm failing, even though I'm not being diligent and blaming myself. Popular alternatives. Here's the first one. See if you can see any of these in your life. See if you can see any of these in the culture. One of the first things we do when we aren't diligent and so we're craving and not being satisfied, one of the first things we do is we start assigning blame. It's not my fault. It's not my problem. It's very, very common in our world to keep, to keep blaming circumstances for why we crave and don't have. It's got nothing to do with my diligence. It's got nothing to do with that I'm sitting in my bathrobe playing the ukulele singing, today I don't want to do anything. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's my circumstances. And then we start looking around. You see this on social media all the time, right? It's like, if I had circumstances like those people, I could do that too. If I was given that, or if I had that, or if this wasn't in my way, then I could do that too. And quite frankly, sometimes it makes us mad at each other, but very often, look at the world, very often it creates an anger towards God. If you had given me circumstances like other people, I could have been successful like other people. You're a mean, angry God. And many people. Much of atheism, not all, but much of atheism is an emotional response to anger at God where they would rather get rid of the anger than maintain it, so they have to get rid of God to get there. But it's blame, blame. Do you see that anywhere in our world today? Just curious. See that anywhere in your life today? Just curious. Is this really a biblical issue? It really is. Look at... Proverbs 22, 13. The sluggard says, the one that's not diligent says, the one that's craving but not getting anything says, there's a lion outside or I'll be murdered in the streets. Do you take that seriously? This is crazy. And that's what blaming is. Well, what God did is he inspired the author of this particular issue to say, you know, you'll blame anything, even the unreasonable, improbable, crazy as a reason that you're not being diligent and you don't have. There's a lion outside. Really? Have there ever been that many lions that everybody's house was surrounded by a lion? Murderers are on every street, at every house, at every address, standing at the ready. No, it's hyperbole. He's making it really clear, you'll blame anyone. So this has been around forever. And you know, we get this naturally, blaming others, blaming circumstances. We, think about you as a young person. Teacher gave an assignment. You didn't apply diligence, constant and earnest application to do your homework. So you went to school, you didn't have it. True success and achievement require diligence. And she said, where's your homework? And what did you say? The dog ate it. You'll even blame your precious pooch because this is natural to us. There's another alternative to diligence. This alternative, it's the only way I could think of phrasing it. Instead of being diligent and accepting accountability for why I'm not experiencing what I'm longing for, I, I, I just decide I, I'm going to be living in fantasy land. I'll just live in fantasy land. It's common to keep wishing and dreaming and fantasizing than to get up and start doing something with diligence. Again, the Proverbs 28 verse 19, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Right? The land's there to work. Are you working it? In any area of your life, and this is really, really important to see. One last alternative to diligence we have. And this is where I'm going to show my age a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I just, there was a word I couldn't not use in this conversation. And some of you are going to go, what? But one of the alternatives we have to replace diligence is found in mooching off of the diligence. Now, even if you were born after the year 2000, which many of you were, even if you think I should have a walker, how can he walk without a walker at his age? Even if you're there, you know the idea of mooching, right? 
mooching off of the drafting off of their hard work. Hey, I don't have to do it. I can draft off of them. There's a big current in our country of this right now where everybody wants to draft off of other people's hard work so that they can maintain a great work-life balance. Proverbs 10.5 talks about this. He who gathers crops in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. The one who sleeps during a harvest, what's he do when the wise son does it? They eat. What's he doing? He's drafting off of the hard work of the wise son. You work, take care of me. You owe me. You owe me. And so, diligence is absolutely required for any success, any achievement, but we assign blame, we live in fantasy land, we mooch off the diligence instead of doing that. And now, can I just widen your perspective a little bit? This is in every area of life. Not just finances, not just vocation, not just farming, every area of life. Whatever area you're craving something more in, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's issues of life or fullness, whatever area you're craving, I promise you at the core you're going to find an issue with diligence because that's where we come up short. See if you can find blame or fantasy or mooching off of other people. But now let's get to the result because this is a huge issue. What is the result of failing to be diligent? What's the result of it? Well, the Bible makes it very, very clear what the result is. Poverty. That's the result of not being diligent. Poverty. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little playing of a ukulele in the bathrobe when you're supposed to be working, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So what's it saying? Well, the result of not being diligent is poverty. But here, again, is where you need to widen your perspective. I don't know what you think of when you hear poverty, but most of you probably think of finances. But let's take it further. It's true in every area of life. Failure to be diligent in finances leads to poverty in finances. That is true. And by the way, a nation that gets a majority of people mooching off of the few who work in the end can't survive. Go through history and watch it. It can happen for a while, momentum can happen for a while, but you just watch it. Failure to be diligent in finance as a country leads to poverty of finances. It, same for the individual, same for families, and the world is full of that, but it goes so much deeper than that. Failure to be diligent in relationships leads to a poverty of love. You know, there are a lot of people going, I'm lonely, I, I don't have any, I can't have any, blah, 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 and on and on, and on it goes, and... And you know, it's my parents' fault, or it's everybody else's fault, or it's this person's fault, or whatever. But let me ask you, don't you think that there are very few people who are in persistent action to serve and to support and to lift up the people they say they love? Constant and earnest. Can you imagine how many marriages, now this isn't about creating guilt, this is about creating attention on something, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just trying to teach. Do you think we would have as many divorces in this world if both people who pledged devotion to each other would with diligence be devoted to each other every day of their lives? No. Do you think families would be falling apart like they are if dads and moms and kids were diligent in expressing love in those contexts? No. So this relationship poverty we're experiencing happens because very few are applying diligence in their relationship. It's easy to get up, get married, say I do. It's tough to get up the next day 
and the next day for the rest of your life and be diligent at fulfilling the vow. Right? We want it easy. Who doesn't like the puppy love stage better? I've seen Adam Sadler singing Endless Love, you know, that guy in the, the thing that does the ice going, Endless Love. I've seen it. Nothing like puppy love. I think that was in, what was that in? The golfer movie. What is that movie? Happy Gilmore. I think that was it. See the things you learn when you come to church? <laughs> this is just awesome. Yeah. Puppy love is awesome. Beginning stages of love is awesome. But it doesn't lead to oneness, intimacy, life satisfaction. Failure to be diligent in work leads to a poverty of accomplishments and a poverty of advancement. I mean, I lead a fairly large organization with very large staff. I know some of this firsthand, though we have a wonderful staff here. I've been doing it for too long not to have experienced this firsthand. You see it in the corporate world? There are people going, why don't I get a new title? Why am I not getting a raise? Why am I not being repositioned? Why don't I get more influence? Why don't I get to sit in the boardroom? I'm 19 years old and I've just quit college and I've come to work for you. You know, it's like, or whatever. Why don't I get that? Well, here's the thing. Maybe because these other people are showing up every day with constant earnestness and you're showing up and putting in your time, blaming everybody else. Maybe. Not trying to be mean, just trying to point out a potential obvious. Failure to be diligent in how you live your life leads to a poverty of life. Failure to be diligent in nurturing and caring for your soul leads to a poverty of soul. This is a big issue, diligence. And you know what? I don't remember the last time I heard anyone talking about it, do you? Yeah, because we've decided God's stuff isn't worth talking about anymore. But this is an essential issue. Now, what I need to do is I need to break you away from the concept of it's black and white and it's either or. Because a lot of you are going, man, my gosh, he's getting harsh. He's getting harsh, you know? And, and so what you do is you back out and you go, hey, I'm diligent. And what you do is you, you pick the arenas of your life where you are diligent. And the truth is, the vast majority of us are not total 100% slackers. I mean, we've got some areas of our life where we're diligent. There are a couple of people I've met in my life... 100% slackers, no doubt about it, but not most of us. And so here we sit, and you go, no, I'm diligent. And what you do, you're like me. You think of that area where you get an A+, and you go, done, next topic, Brad, right? Or you start thinking of other people. But I need to tell you, it, it, the real problem isn't that we're totally lazy. For the majority of us, the real problem is, and I, this is my title, it's not from any, you know, psychology book or anything, but for the majority of us, let's call the real problem limited laziness. Limited laziness. Or narrowly directed laziness. You can come up with your own title. But I'm going to tell you this, when you're limited in your laziness, it can destroy all the areas where you're diligent. Let, let me just show you that this is the Bible and this isn't me again. Uh, there's a guy named Eli. Eli. Going to read about him here. You need to know that Eli was one of the most successful people in Israel during his day. He was the judge of Israel, led the entire nation, held the whole nation accountable to the laws and the rules. He was also a priest, so he was exercising some spiritual leadership. Over that. And he was successful, the judge of Israel. But, but look at 1 Samuel 3.13, for I told him that I would judge his family forever. This is talking about what was said to Eli. I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. Here was the sin. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. What's that mean? He was the judge of Israel, the leader, to hold everyone accountable to right living in that time. He was a priest, one of the chief priests, so he knew exactly what that was supposed to be. What were his sons? Priests. And what did he not do with his sons? He did not 
diligently hold them accountable to their responsibility. They became morally bankrupt kids. And what did Eli do? Nothing. Oh, he judged others, but he didn't judge his sons. He was successful and diligent in some ways, but not here. And can I just give an aside? As the pastor of this larger church, I'm going to tell you it is vastly easier to lead this large church with diligence than it is to lead one of my kids with diligence. And so let me tell you what is natural for me to do. I'm going to be diligent where I have a chance of success. <laughs> and let you deal with my kids. You know, that's, isn't, isn't that what's, what's natural? That's what Eli did. But you know what happened? And it would happen to me if that's how I approach life. His limited laziness in the end destroyed every ounce of his unbelievable diligence in every other area of his life. And the same thing is happening to us today. Oh, this is just a small area. This is just a little area. No big deal, really. It's going to destroy you if you're not careful. Another example, let's not just leave it with Eli. Let's go to David. David, David was an unbelievably diligent person in so many arenas of his life. I mean, he was the king of Israel, one of the greatest. He was a man after God's own heart. He had a spiritual heart. He wrote many of the Psalms. This guy was diligent, but he had a problem with limited laziness. Look at 2 Samuel 11:1. in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, that's an important sentence. In the spring, at the time when kings do what? Go off to war. They lead their people. They lead their military. They go off to war. David, who was the king, sent Joab to do his job. Uh-oh. He's saying, I've paid my rent, dude. Time to delegate this. I've got a big palace here. I'm going to start enjoying the season. And so what he did is he poured himself a nice little drink with a little umbrella in it, and he was having a good time as others were doing his responsibility. Dave sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. But this is what happens when you get limited in your laziness. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, the woman who was very beautiful. Now, sometimes the Bible is a bit redundant. Here, I just need to say this. It didn't have to tell us that she was very beautiful because only beautiful women bathe on roofs in public. I mean, that's just kind of, I mean, you know that right up front, right? <laughs> Some of you are saying, you need to be more diligent, son. Uh, okay. Uh, it's just a thought, very real. So anyway, he saw this woman, very beautiful, bathing. Now just so you know, when you get married, you don't go blind. This is really important to know. So in order to keep yourself pure, in order to do right here, you have to exercise diligence. It doesn't come naturally. And I, I, I know everybody's different, but in my family, with my wife and with my kids, I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one way that I have helped myself stay a bit pure in this area, and that's anytime something on media that we're watching flashes up something like this, I immediately, there's a pillow in front of my head, or there's a hand in front of my head, or I'm turning, because I don't need that because I know what happened to David, one of the best men of God that's lived on this planet, and I don't want it happening to me. And I am so sad that so many of you keep internalizing this stuff, get lazy on this. And what it does is it takes you down and ruins you like it ruined him. He, drawn in by her beauty, though he was married, had responsibilities to God and to others, sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Not only was it wrong because he was already married, already had a family, was a king, was supposed to represent God, but it was wrong because one of the men that was out fighting his war was married to this woman, and he knew it. Can you think of anything more contemptible than that? And then he tried to get him killed, ultimately had him killed, to protect the evidence that he had slept with her. 
this great, diligent man allowed limited laziness to creep into his life and it destroyed him, his family, and his nation. This is a huge issue. Limited laziness. And I'm going to tell you right now, you deal with it. I certainly do. Now, sadly, this example of David that I just shared with you in our culture isn't that big of a deal. Our culture has lost all sense of morality when it comes to sexuality. It's like it doesn't even matter anymore. There's no morality associated with it. Sex is just a natural thing. There's no morality associated with it. Wrong. In our world, it's become acceptable to be lazy when it comes to the issue of sexual purity. And as it did with David, it's doing significant damage in people's lives today. And you know, one of the problems is, right? I mean, one of the problems is God tells us in his word, God calls churches like ours to tell people, and many times we don't tell people because it's really hard to tell people what they don't want to hear. How sad is that? And I, I just need you to know, God created marriage to be between a man and a woman in the in the committed relationship of marriage. That's when sexuality becomes beautiful and sexual expression becomes meaningful. That's when your cravings are satisfied and intimacy is achieved. But apart from that, no matter what you're thinking, cross-gender, same gender, no matter what you're thinking, outside of God's design, when you get lazy in that area, you're going to crave and not be satisfied, and it's going to destroy. And it's exactly what's happening in our world today. And some of you, we have premarital counseling here. And you know what we're finding? With a lot of wonderful people who love each other, they're living together before they get married, thinking that's what they do. They just don't know. Guess what? It's going to lead to problems. And data says it. And one of the big problems is you need God at the center of your relationships, and if you push him out as you're trying to build a love relationship with another person, you will never build the right kind of love relationship. Come on. We need to be diligent in this area. If David can be taken down, so can I. And if we can be taken down, so can you. And isn't it about time someone tells the truth and says, let's be diligent to say no. This is an essential issue. Now, if you're a guest here, I want you to know, every week I'm not doing this. <laughs> but you should long to be in a place where people aren't afraid of culture and afraid of others, and they're willing to stand up and to the best of their ability, teach God's truth, which can set people free. And that's what we're trying to be. We're just trying to be that kind of a place. But let me now give you another example of limited laziness. In our culture, it's not just sexual, it's vocational. We, we pursue success vocationally with unbelievable diligence and at the same time we're lazy about our relationships our finances and our spiritual lives and everything falls apart I'm gonna tell you, you can build the greatest greatest vocational experience on the planet but if you're lazy in these other areas they're gonna take you down they just are so I thought it might be a good idea for me to just spend the rest of our time together and I, if you're new here, you don't know this, but we have another hour to go. Um, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not very diligent in telling the truth right now. But here, I, I think I should cover some specific areas that God tells us are important to apply diligence in. Okay, and so I'll just cover the area. Then you can take the ones that are important to you. Don't, go, don't take the one that you feel best about. I'm really good there. And that's what you focus on. Take the one that maybe challenges you the most and do some focusing on there. But what does God say are specific areas where we should be diligent? Well, the first one God gives us is relationships. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's not in our world. The world doesn't say relationships is the number one thing we should be diligent about. That's not what the world says. It's not what I feel like. But it's true. Do you know why God started with the creation story and creating the man, and it wasn't good for him to be alone, and the woman, and the importance of relationships with him and others. You know why Jesus talks about loving God and loving others? Because relationships is the highest value on the planet. But it's not what we're most diligent in pursuing, which is why relationships are so impoverished. Look at Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Can I just point out 
It's easy to love sometimes. It takes diligence to love at all times. Right? It's easy to be a brother or a sister in good times or just okay times. But to be a good brother or sister in adverse times, what's that take? Diligence. We need to be diligent in our relationships. And if you're suffering in your relationships, and anyway, I'm not saying it's all your fault. It takes two to tango. I'm not judging. I'm not asking you to be, But I'm telling you, if you're having an empty hole in your relationships, you need to start with your own choice to be diligent. It's important. Another specific area God gives us is character. Character. And it's interesting, because we live in a world that dismisses Character. And I'm sorry, I, I'm just, I'm being honest. It, it started at least in my memory, and this isn't an attack on party or politics and any of that, but it started in my memory back with the Clinton presidency. And, and he had some challenges, we all know that, people t do all kinds of stuff about that, but that's, here's what people said, as long as he's being a good president, it doesn't matter what his character is like. Let me just tell you, and that has now become the accepted standard for all presidents, which is why only certain kind of people run for president generally, for all Congress, for all local and state officials and all that. You want to know why our world's in this mess it's in? It's because we've decided effective leadership is more important than character. But the truth is there's no such thing. Without character, everything falls apart, and that's what's happening in our world today. Takes diligence. And again, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a screamy old man. I'm not Waldorf and Statler in the balcony saying, those Muppets down there. That's not what's going on. I'm trying, I'm trying to teach you from God's word what's going on. Because people ask me all the time, why is the world falling apart? Why is God allowing the world to fall apart? <laughs> the world's falling apart because people refuse to follow his wisdom. And we can't fix the whole world, but you know what? You have control over yourself, right? And God's called me to help people in my sphere of influence know what he says. You don't have to accept what I say, and you don't have to accept what he says. I'm not trying to come down and handcuff you and force you, but someone needs to tell the truth. You need to be diligent in character. Look at what God says in Proverbs 22, 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Our world looks at it differently. Our world says gold and silver more important than a good name. Who cares about that? I'm rich. That's a bankrupt life. And yet, what do we do? As parents, as corporations, as churches, what do we do? We focus on the outward successes. Parents, Sports, music, academics, accredited classes, the best colleges, the best jobs, the best resumes. Let's work really hard at it. And if we have time, after all that important stuff, whew, we might actually work on your character a little bit. It's upside down, which is why our world's upside down. It's time we turn it right side up, starting with ourselves. Character requires diligence. When was the last time you focused with diligence on issues of your character? Another specific area God talks about, having fun, i just curious, having fun so far? Isn't this awesome? Isn't this like the feel-good message of the year? Oh my gosh, give me a latte and let's go for longer. I, it's like, this is hard. I'd rather be teaching you something where you're going, you're awesome, you're awesome, let's do the Macarena together. I'd rather do that. But that's not going to help you or the world. Another specific area God talks about, I don't know. I haven't had any coffee this morning at all, but I've had lots of drugs, so that's uh, it's okay. Uh, finances is another specific area. Finances. Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. I'm so tired of one generation looking at another generation and throwing the whole generation under the bus, whether it's the old people with young people or young people with the old people. Let me just tell you, it's not a generational issue. It's an individual issue. And people in all generations today are wanting the lazy hands instead of the diligent hands. 
How about you? Another specific area God talks about is physical health. I have to throw it out there. And by the way, I'm not a proponent of everybody having this beautiful body that I have. I'm, that's not what I'm here doing. <laughs> not everybody can have one round washboard ab like me. Not everybody can have that. But I think it's important that we exercise diligence in health. Don't you? Look at what God says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your, what? Body. Honor God with your body. And I think that has something to do with diligence and nutrition, diligence and exercise a bit. And it doesn't mean we all pump iron. I mean, we could walk to the mailbox. Right? I mean, diligence. I think many of us are falling apart way before we should fall apart simply because we haven't exercised any diligence in our physical life. But can I get to something far more important than that? Spiritual health is another area. The truth is I should have started here, right? <laughs> but then I wouldn't have had anything else to say, so why would I do that? So spiritual health should top the list. Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom and God's ways and everything else will be added to you. The truth is, if you don't pursue spiritual health with diligence, all your diligence will be wasted in the end. Uh, look at what Mark says in chapter 8, verses 36 to 37. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I'm telling you, we live in a world, you've been influenced by it, so have I. We're watching it rot at the core because of this, where people are giving everything in exchange for power and prosperity and pleasure in this world, and they're losing their souls. I need to warn you, parenting requires helping your kids in every single area, that's true. But if you don't put spiritual first with diligence in your kid's life, you are destroying them even though you love them. <laughs> spiritual first. Spiritual isn't the last thing. Spiritual isn't an extra. Spiritual is the first thing. Or they're going to be destroyed. How can they make the right decisions about sexuality if spiritualism first. How can they make the right decisions about life's investment if spiritual, they can't. And just so I can do this and I can do it quickly, it involves three core areas of who we are according to God. If you're going to focus with diligence on your spiritual health, you have to focus on your heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. You know what David wasn't doing on the palace roof? He wasn't guarding his heart. You know, and I'm not just being this cranky old man, I'm really not. But some of us let our kids loose with YouTube to watch things that are absolutely rancor and perverse, and I know they don't show porn on it, but yes, they do kind of. The language structures, the philosophy structures, and you let them run loose, Above all else, help your kids protect their heart and do it with diligence. Because you love them too much to let them be destroyed. And not just the heart, the head. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. I don't know if you've noticed this, but these are not natural things. I, do you naturally respond, oh, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, yeah. But that's not how you think. It's not how I think. What's it take to get there? I bet you could guess by now in this conversation, right? What's it take to get there? Diligence. You know why we don't get there? Because we're not exercising diligence there. We're too busy with our finances or our vocation or our fun. It's a spiritual health issue. And one last one, not just our heart and our heads, but our hands, whoops. Diligent hands will rule 
<laughs> you know how funny that is that my hand just messed this thing up and I'm talking about <laughs> diligent hands? You all have to think through what's really going on in this setting right now. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Spiritual health. Is the thing you're most diligent about in your life, your heart, your head, your hands spiritually? Is the thing you're most diligent in your family to emphasize? The heart, the head, the hands? Is the thing you're most diligent about as a leader in the marketplace? The heart, the head, the hands? Of course not. Doesn't that explain where our world's at? Yeah. We can't change the world, but we can change us. And one life at a time, the world changes. So can I, I'm gonna, I'm telling you right where I'm at, I'm gonna give you one prerequisite, I'm going to give you an application, then I'm gonna give you two thoughts, it won't take five minutes, and we're done. Okay, you all with me? Because I, I, I heard the keys. <laughs> I actually heard the car beepers going off, where is that car again, I gotta get out of here. Just hang with me five more minutes. There's a prerequisite to all of this, because diligence is worthless on our part unless we allow God to give us a new life, a new heart, and a new start. Because wherever you start applying diligence on your own, you're applying diligence to an already broken vessel, to an already broken heart, to an already broken head, and to an already broken hands. <laughs> what good is that? You know what a doctor does when they find a heart that can no longer function in a person? They try to give the person a new heart. That's what Jesus did when he came down to this earth and lived the perfect life we failed to live and then died on the cross in the place of us, we who have sinned, and then rose again to give us what? A new heart, a new head, and a new start with our hands. It's called redemption. You need to start with letting Jesus save you, redeem you, forgive you, and give you a new heart. Got to let him in. And so, just before I give you that application, those two thoughts, and we're out of here, I'm going to ask you to bow with me in a word of prayer just for a moment. And as you bow with me in prayer, everyone has something to talk to God about, but if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, would you pray with me? Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Don't have to do it out loud. doesn't have to be dramatic. Just say, Jesus, I, I've, uh, I've failed. I've sinned against you. I've messed up. I've got guilt in my heart, my head, and my hands. But I know you died on the cross to forgive me. And so I'm confessing my sin to you and asking you to forgive me. You rose again to give me new life. I'm asking you to give me a new heart, a new mind, new hands. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, let us know, would you? We, we'd love to give you a book of the Bible in journal form, and we'd love to give you ideas about things you can do to get to know God better. Just write us, text us, actually, at the number you see on that screen, one word message, Northridge. We'll send you a link. You have to get that link back to us, or else we don't know how to get stuff to you. And then we'll send that stuff out to you. Okay, but here's the application. If we desire true success and accomplishment in our lives, in any area, we must choose to be diligent in every area of our lives. We have to choose to be diligent in every important area of our lives. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores up provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Even an ant knows diligence is important. We need to be diligent in our relationships, in our spiritual health, in our character. So, two statements. One, know what's important. When you know what's important, you can evaluate what you've been acting like was important. 
when you listen to the news, when you watch our politicians, when you, you know, listen to business leaders, when you listen to pastors, when you know what's important, you can go, does that line up? Does that line up? Does what I'm doing line up? Know what's important? And I already shared with you what God says, you know, relationships, character, etc. And once you know what's important, this is so easy, so easy. It's almost embarrassing to say it out loud. Once you know what's important, you ready? Do what's important. How simple is life change? It's really simple. And it's doggone hard. But we have in our grasps God's power, Jesus' strength, and his truth so that we can be diligent in the things that matter and we can experience what Jesus came to give us, life and life to the full. I, I just have to say this. I'm so grateful that you chose to be here this weekend. I mean, grateful. And I trust that God would use this weekend to make a difference in your life. And I hope, if it did, that you'll be back next week and you'll invite others to be a part of it. It's going to be a great weekend. We're going to have baptisms next weekend. It's going to be new members, and we're going to continue in this series. Unfortunately, I will be teaching again next week, so that's one thing you don't get next week. But, but I'll be here, and we'll be going forward, and I hope that you'll come. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.